It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, we are brought to you once again by our friends over at Abco Safety. If you need any safety gear at your place of work or in your outdoor recreation, if you're talking about these climbing helmets, give them a call at 513-672-1818 and check them out online at abcosafety.com. If you do give them a call, you'll get 15% off your first order if you mention Lockdown Abco. So, Joe, we've had a day to decompress from the draft, mm-hmm. and you got in there. You looked at tape on some of the some of the guys that we didn't have grades on. We didn't have tape grades on in particular. I looked at tape at all of them, to be honest with you. But yes, uh, I mean, didn't you? I mean, don't you feel like you always want to go back and watch them through the prism of Bengal striped glasses when you when you after you have the full class? I watched uh, Ryan Finley. Yeah, And then I was like, I want to watch, you know, a good quarterback prospect. So I put Justin Herbert on. You and I is... watched Ryan Finley versus Syracuse. Right. Together. I, I, I've I... watched, I watched some Justin Herbert. That's what I went and that's what I went and did. I didn't watch any of the guys they drafted and I, I went and watched Justin Herbert. And then I went and looked at all the 2019 to early drafts and probably four or five different writers had the Bengals picking mm-hmm. third or fourth, picking Justin Herbert. Interesting. That's the quarterback from Oregon, if you don't know. A lot of people thought he'd come out this year, and he did not. He elected to stay in school. Um, on that note also, right, Matt Miller last year had the Bengals taking in a way-too-early mock. Projecting 2019, they had him taking Justin Herbert also. Two years in a row, the way-too-early mocks want the Bengals to pick Justin Herbert. And I, I tweeted this today, and about 15 of you got in my mentions and said, oh, I guess he's going to fall to 32 or – oh, I guess, you know, no way, I don't want him, or, you know, whatever, complaining about Justin Herbert. But you, I watched him against Cal. I only watched one game. He was excellent against oh, Cal he's good. last year. He's real he, good. People, he's gonna... people in my mentions are like, oh, he, he's not mature. He can't do the mental stuff. And I just watched one game, and it's like, yeah, he can clearly do anything you want a quarterback in the NFL to do. Yeah. Whether he puts it together is another question, but he has the arm, he has the athleticism, he has the size, he has the mental processing. It's all there. And he's – don't be surprised if he's revered as better than Tua, I think. I, I will be surprised, I think, if that happens. You will be if he's better than Tua? You'll be surprised? I think so. Okay. I think he definitely could be better than Tua. I think some be. people are going to be thrown off by Tua's size. He's barely going to be 6'1 or so. And you know how you – know, even though well, we've had years one. in a row. 
I six know. one. That's a giant compared to the last two years. I know, but I'm just saying people are gonna the average fan, the ones we're talking to. Teams seem to uh, have got, gotten past it just a little bit. When a guy like six seven, two hundred and sixty pound Tyree Jackson doesn't get drafted, and the first guy drafted is five ten, well, maybe we're past those days of big cannon, tall quarterback. Still crazy to me that nobody took a flyer on Tyree Jackson in the seventh round. Even as a, I'd take him and move him to tight end, honestly. Hey, that He's a freak athlete. Freak. He's a, he's a crazy good athlete. I'm, I'm shocked nobody at least said, you know what, I'm not going to let him hit priority. Like, Mr. Irrelevant was Josh. No, not Josh Oliver. Caleb Wilson. Caleb Wilson, the tight end that we took. Don't you with. put them in the same category. They're tight ends from California schools or something. I don't even know. I'm past it. I'm over it. I don't, I don't need to know those guys that are on other teams anymore, Joe. That's fair. I went through and I graded uh, every – well, not I just applied our grades to every team, right, who we had on these prospects. A lot of There's a lot of teams. It is an illuminating process for number, different reasons. Number one, um, some teams line up exactly with what we have, right, with, with our grades. They almost go directly in order from an 80 guy to a 75 guy to a 74 to a 72 to a 70 to a bunch of 68s, right in order. Are they I mean, good drafting teams or bad drafting teams? The one was the Patriots. They well, were, we're doing it right. Right. So you feel good about the Patriots. They were exactly <laughs> the way we had ours laid out almost. One guy was out of order, which, fine, okay, out of those that many picks. There were some teams I had one guy, we had one guy graded out of their seven picks. They just were in complete um, different wavelengths than we are in terms of who to look for or what we're looking for or what the Bengals look for, honestly, because a lot of it, we added players as the Bengals were meeting with them or yeah. fit their profile. Yeah. And then the other thing was um, just a, I, I, I gained a little bit of appreciation for the Bengals draft other than sample. And I think 68 is fine for targeting a player, but I just think round two, a 68 grade is, is, is too early. But looking at how other teams do it, and how many times there were day three guys drafted in the first two rounds from LJ Collier in the first round to the, to the Seahawks uh, to a host of guys that I'm now forgetting in round two that I thought, man, the Bengals, yeah, it looks bad, and we're focused on the Bengals, so it's really bad for Drew Sample in, in our perspective. But a lot of teams did similar things where they just yeah. com- completely weren't on the same valuation. You could say that for Jelani Tavai in Detroit. Yep. And we didn't have a grade on him, but I'm sure he would have been low by looking at him afterwards. Yeah. You know, Arizona went almost identical to our board, too. And then in the seventh round, they picked the two guys that had the productivity. Yeah. That that was like, oh, that's why we're going to take him. And, you know, that's why we had him highlighted, had him graded high. Know what else I noticed? The teams that did follow our same trajectory in the fourth, fifth round, I think those two rounds are key. So first three rounds, you may balance the board with projection, with projection consensus and your need, right? Fourth and fifth round is like, okay, we've got a couple positions we really need to get, and we need to get an O lineman, or we need to get a get, need to get a linebacker, and sometimes those grades will dip a little bit. You can tell, and then they come back sixth, seventh, and it's either some teams just target priority free agents, and I feel like the Bengals do this a lot. Or some teams are like, okay, who's best on the board? I'll take him. And mm-hmm. not that I'm not, I don't know which way is better or worse. If one guy's already dropped four rounds, then what he's probably dropping for a reason. But some teams were like, okay, give us the best available in the seventh round and we'll just, we'll get out of this draft and go for priority guys afterwards. Whereas some teams are like, let's get these guys now, get them in the door now. Do you think that has anything to do with the depth of the board that each team has? Do you think the Bengals start doing yeah. that because they run out of guys on their board? I do. I do think so. Teams that have, and we, there was a lot of tweets and a lot of information going around um, 
prior to the draft and maybe even in, into day two, I remember a couple, but that the Patriots have a real pared down board. It's usually in a bad class, a bad overall class. You can see 70 players on the Patriots board, 120 on the Eagles, let's say. And I think that those were close to what the numbers were for those two teams. So very quickly, you end up drafting priority free agents, which you get in the fifth round. And you're like, that's it. We Here's our other sub board here with priority free agents. And let's start digging into them. Yeah. I mean, they have to have like different values on the priority free agents to some degree, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure they Cause do. Because yeah. I'm sure I'm sure they're splitting hairs, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting when you look at how our grades play out on other boards. Uh, our system hates the Ravens draft. Yeah, very much so. And it's because they took a lot of risk, in my opinion. Not yeah. only with age production and production with Miles Boykin, that's why his 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 uh, grades lower. With Hollywood Brown, it's age and. Uh, health he didn't have a testing at all so it makes him sort of risky now if he goes out there and runs a 425 i'm not even sure he's there for the ravens but he wasn't able to do it wasn't healthy and we see he ends up going back half of round one it's interesting it's really interesting we should we should um at some point we'll we'll get caught up on this i'll i'll go back and finish doing the top 100 board uh, Mm -hmm. or at least get all the guys we have graded in there and then we can sort it by the draft order and see how that looks compared to our colors Good point. I want to see how many of the top 100, if any left that didn't get drafted, maybe in the top 150 also. You know, there's got to be someone in there that wasn't drafted that was graded fairly high. Probably an offensive lineman or something along that, I mean, that, that route. Chris Boyd went in the seventh round. Yeah. that That's probably the highest for us. Just, yep. just eyeballing it right now. Who took Boyd? Did, did Ta'amu get drafted in the seventh round? I don't remember Jordan Ta'amu's name going, to be honest. Um but I was kind of in and out on the last couple rounds. Some of the worst yeah. picks for us are Daniel Jones, obviously. I think everyone agrees yeah. with that one. Josh yeah. Jacobs, but that's because he has a weird productivity profile. Marquise yep. Brown, Titus Howard, Jonathan Abram. Uh, Drew Sample doesn't stand out as much as you might think at 52 exactly. because Irv Smith was picked right ahead of him, and Paris mm-hmm. Campbell's picked not too much later. And again, all the Ohio State people listening are like, Paris Campbell is an easy round one, round two prospect, but not, again, not. not when you apply productivity and all these other things. LJ Collier is a big one. But the thing with LJ Collier and the Seahawks is I'm, I'm never going to knock the Seahawks draft, man. They just prove us wrong they, every time. That's why I put that in, the, in their review and their tweet, that yeah. they consistently pick whoever they want. They target specific players, and they're very specific. And... Okay, and a lot of times they turn out and they're good for them. So I, I've learned to trust them a little bit, and then maybe we can criticize afterwards. The biggest criticism I have for the Seahawks in is in the past where I felt like they took the wrong players for the system fit, and that be especially on the offensive line. I think when Top Cable was there, they really struggled to find what was the right mixture of of talent and size and and you know the mix with russell wilson also who you got a guy that can move a little bit so that's my biggest criticism yeah our 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 biggest reach probably looking at our grades and and where where people were picked besides daniel jones who i think you could debate is easily jalen hurd yeah that's right we had heard as maybe the second worst receiver behind riley ridley right yeah, Riley Ridley also a giant reach again using the because he's so old and didn't have the yeah. productivity and whatnot, didn't have the athleticism for sure. Yeah, Riley Ridley came out really low. Yeah, he's a risky pick just because he. I mean, you're you're 
basically asking him to be an outlier. And I think that's why he didn't go. I mean, his route running, and I think when you watch him on film, his film is, is pretty good. Uh, his route running is really good. His hands, his body control. Uh, he should have been a round two guy if everything else looked good. But um, he didn't. Everything looked bad. So Riley Ridley goes way later. I think Bears. Is that right? Yes. Um, yeah, I, I want to say it was the Bears because they went running back and then Ridley. I, I'm, I could be completely wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Again, that those last three rounds, maybe even the last two rounds, I was kind of just focusing on the Bengals. My wife brought home a new puppy. We got a new puppy this weekend. So I was like, eh, just let me know when the Bengals are on the clock and I'll pay attention again. Well, they had seven picks. Yeah. And it's so fast on day three. So fast. And I start watching these guys. Like I said, I start watching them. But – Speaking of day three, right, we watched, I went back and watched, I've got some great, we put some grades, we put some numbers, product, productivity, things like that, everything we we put into a blender to spit out the final grade. Uh, Trey Williams, from, running back from Texas A&M, Deshaun Davis, linebacker from Auburn, and Jordan Brown, the corner from San Diego State University. Went back and watched all three. And we'll talk about all three of those guys. We're just going to take a quick break first. Before we do, let's tell you again about all the great products that Abco Safety has on offer. You can go to their website. They have a lot more than these three things. But right now they're highlighting some fall protection gear, ranging from a really nice new Alpine-style climbing helmet that'll keep your head safe when and if you fall and smack your head on a wall or a floor or whatever You know what I hit my head on? I'm tall. I'm 6'3", so I hit my head on things over my head oh, constantly. Yeah. And it's with the the helmet normally because the, hel- the helmet will add a few inches to your head, right? Oh, so yeah. I, I go around with orange spray paint a lot of times, and I spray things that I hit my head on once. This is me at, at, at work. And people are like, what is the orange spray paint way up there for? Well, that's because I, I bang my head on it. So you don't you don't realize you need the helmet until you need it. And that's my uh, that's my own experience with it. And you don't want to realize you need the helmet before you have it on. Right. That's, that's exactly. a big thing. Uh, along with the helmet, they have a DBI solid nano lock that's going to catch you if you start falling. It has four four foot catch range. So if you fall more than four feet, it'll catch you. And it's going to catch you because you've got it hooked up to your body harness. And that's a protective full body harness line. You can check all three of those things out over at the Abco Safety website. Give them a call. Again, 513-672-1818. Mention Locked On Abco when you call to get 15% off your first order. It supports a local business in Cincinnati. They're a safety and industrial distributor located in the Cincinnati area, and it really helps support us here on the Locked On Bengals podcast too. We'll be right back to talk about those three late-round picks that we didn't have grades on, and then we'll get into our shadow teams a little bit. And we'll talk about how the shadow dress went for us. We'll be right back. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. We're recapping and going back and talking about a few players that we didn't have grades on. I didn't watch much of. I do remember seeing Trey Williams just a little bit. And, uh... So I went back. We wanted to watch them completely. One really good game that I thought. I want to say, now that I 
am thinking out loud. I don't know if it's NC State or if it's South Carolina, but one of those two teams. And uh, running out the clock at the end of the game, Trey Williams. But 5'8", 206, okay? Built more like Giovanni Bernard. But I would say if they measured leg length, Trey Williams has a, a much longer stride than Giovanni does. And he's not doesn't have the this, this side-to-side quickness, the little uh, jitterbug look to him that Bernard does. But I do think Trey... Uh, runs with a, with similar power for being a small guy, and I feel like this is one thing I wrote down complete, well, a bunch when I'm when I'm taking notes was how often he hit the right hole at the right time in sync with his offensive line. And to me, it's no surprise that, and I'm assuming Jim Turner advocated for for his running back from Texas A&M, but also in pass protection, picking up the right guy. I thought he was really good as, as a pass protector and picking up blitzes. Uh, for a smaller guy, again, Geo is too, and he's been their best pass protector. And they've, you know, I, I I would think they've wanted a bigger guy in there, but uh, sometimes that little guy is, is the right guy for the job. And I think Trey Williams could definitely be that. It made me think that he's probably the third back that'll help on special teams because of the way he he played there. But uh, to get back to his running style, very smooth, very consistent. He makes guys miss at the second level before he even gets to the line of scrimmage. And I think he because he presses the hole, and what I mean by that is, say you're uh, running to the right, right, and you're running between the right guard and center, you want to get as close to that right guard as possible before cutting back between the hole between the right guard and center. And you do that so you can get the linebackers to overrun their gap just a little bit because they don't know if you're if you're going completely wide or if you're going to cut it back. So he moves linebackers out of the way and then hits the hole. Uh, very good pre-line of scrimmage. When I grade running backs, I grade pre-line of scrimmage, post-line of scrimmage. Pre is the vision, the footwork, the timing. Uh, you know, slow to the hole, quick through the hole, basically. You heard that before if you listen to running backs coaches. He does that very, very well. He's very technically sound. I think where he lacks a little bit sometimes is he doesn't have that top-end gear to really break free once he gets past that, that first wave. And he doesn't make guys miss. He's not an elusive back. I think he gains yards after contact because he's consistently falling forward or, or splitting two tacklers and getting three, four yards extra out of it, uh, just making the angles to his advantage. So I, I really like Trey, Travion Williams as a, as a runner. I think as a pass, pass receiver, we didn't get to see enough variance in his game. We didn't get to see enough routes. I didn't really get to see how good his hands are. I think he caught 27 passes this past year. But really, it's very routine, simple stuff, easy scheme things for him. Uh, so I really don't know where his future is as a third down back. Now it's good that you can pass protect, but you want a weapon also. So I think he definitely comes in behind Mixon and Geo in terms of a passing game weapon. And honestly, what we know of Rodney Anderson, he's been really good in that area too. So he may even be behind Rodney Anderson in that phase. And that's why I think Trey Williams' best opportunity will be on special teams. But I do really like him as a runner. He's a nice guy to have if you need somebody to come in and actually take some carries. And and you don't have like a, a huge drop-off. Because like you said, yep. he's he's there mentally. And that's yep. the biggest thing that you probably need out of a backup running back. If he's adequate athletically, if he's there mentally and knows what he's supposed to be doing and you have, you know, halfway okay blocking on the offensive line, then you're going to at least get, you know, the four-yard gains here and there. You're not looking for a backup to come in and, and necessarily be be Joe Mixon, who they sent spent a second-round pick on. And then that guy could be Rodney Anderson if he's healthy too, right? Like Rodney yeah. Anderson is a full package if he's healthy. I think a lot of people thought he might have been a first-round back before he got hurt, if not a second-round back. Yeah, I can so see that. You like Rodney Anderson uh, as a developmental guy if he gets healthy. And it's obvious the Bengals like both of them, right? Because you don't spend 
almost back-to-back picks at running back, yeah. even though it's the sixth round. Unless you're like, man, we really like both these guys, but Anderson hasn't been able to stay healthy. We really can't afford to risk the the third back job on a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy. Give it to, you know, so they, they lean towards Trey Williams. They're like, man, Ryan Anderson's still here? You know, pull the trigger on it and make the pick, which I think makes perfect sense to me. And I, we talked about this after the, our review of day three. Uh, I really like the value of taking two sixth-round running backs. I will say, though, if Travion Williams hadn't been coached by Jim Turner, I highly doubt he's a pick there. Just because yeah. he's just because his, his size athleticism combo isn't there. Davino Zigbo goes undrafted from Nebraska. He's a 90th percentile athlete, very similar tape score from us. Has uh, almost identical has has identical overall grading from PFF with a better rushing grade. So in terms yeah. of a pure rusher, Ozigbo could have been the guy there for them. Maybe I don't know. I'm just speculating, right? But he, he went undrafted and isn't that far away and has actual adequate size for yeah. bell cow running back nfl he weighs 222 pounds and we love darwin thompson and he went in the seventh round i believe cardinals yeah. i want to say um yeah and I, I just noticed in here and i said he didn't have that second gear you know top end speed but he did run a four five one which is pretty good he's a smaller back so it, it weight adjusted it's probably just average uh but you do see if you type his name in twitter go over to videos he breaks off a lot of a long runs it's like a 79 yarder on there that's that's you know, what you want to see from running back. So next pick is Deshaun Davis, linebacker. Real quick, Joe, I want to get one stat out since you since you mentioned okay. the, the long runs. I just got to pull it up because Williams is a W and it's at the end of the alphabet. Williams, there it is. Nope, there he is. Nope. There's a lot of, there's four Williams running backs in this class. His uh, breakaway percentage, which is tells you how much of his yardage comes from those long runs, ranked 11th in the class. Okay. So, so the data backs you up. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, and that's you see it on tape. You do see him break off a lot of runs. Uh, And you know, he's kind of. We talked about this with Mixon because Mixon wasn't breaking a lot of tackles for like the first ten games of last year. And we said he's a he's an angle beater, right? And I think I would put Travion Williams in that. He just knows, and he play. He doesn't play it as like where I think. uh, Joe Mixon is, I'm going to beat you to that corner and, and then get around the corner on you. I think Williams is more of, I'm going to make you take a false step and I'm going to cut back against you and uh, create the angle for my for myself to get an extra four yards out of there. And uh, you see that a lot with him. You know, that uh, so also next- reminded me, sorry, Joe, I keep cutting you off. That, it also reminded me of A.J. Olette, the Ohio running back, and I just wanted to see where he landed. He didn't get a, He didn't even get a deal. He got a tryout with the Saints. Mm, interesting. There's a few guys that I, I thought were uh, could be valuable running backs, and that we see undrafted guys all every year, right? What's his name oh, from yeah. the the Broncos last year who killed the Bengals? Uh, Philip uh, Lindsay is that his name? That's it. And next guy, Deshaun Davis, linebacker out of Auburn, five uh, eleven. I want to say two thirty four with short arms. He's the only guy they drafted that did not pass the filters for athleticism and size. Uh, like I said, they've never drafted a linebacker under six foot. They never draft. They never draft a guy really. Uh, there was, I think, there was one linebacker under 32 inch arms. Uh, so, and, and and they did both with Deshaun Davis. When I watch him play, first thing that stands out is his movement ability. And he didn't test like a good athlete at all. I think that is extremely evident. As soon as you put the tape on, he moves like Vinny Ray. He's tight. He's stiff. Uh, he uses his arms to even turn and change directions. You know, lumbering, almost windmilling as he has to turn. And it's no surprise he didn't test well. But I do think he is a good run-defending 
linebacker. He, I want to say he played inside at Auburn. Um, run, and I, I looked it up with PFF, run stop percentage was really high, near the top of the class. And it makes sense. He's very comfortable with bodies around him, with traffic around him. He's aware. I, I talked about this with Devin White. There's a lot of times he'll get caught by a, an offensive lineman coming up to the second level and his peripheral vision doesn't pick it up. He goes to turn and follow the running back and he's he's walled off by, the, by that offensive lineman. I did not see that happen with Davis very often at all. But with Davis, because he's a he's a subpar athlete, he really doesn't have that burst and that second gear at, on speed, uh, and he will not be able to get to as many tackles as he should. He's, I would say he's a sure tackler. I think he only ranked in the 70s, though, for PFF out of eligible linebackers. But I would say he's a sure tackler on, on the tape I saw. But he doesn't get to those sideline and sideline guys. He really has to take a great angle to get there and be have the anticipation to get there and read his keys and get there, which he does often. To me, what he looks like is high character, high motor, uh, tough guy that is your replacement for Hardy Nickerson. I, I think Nickerson is fine for the special teams role and backup play caller because that's what he really was there for uh, on, on the defensive role. But he was terrible against the run. And I think Deshaun Davis can at least put, call the plays and be good against the run. If you got to take him out in your nickel packages, that's what you got to do. But I think as of right now, he's a special teamer and probably the last guy off the bench as a linebacker. Yeah, I have nothing to really add to that. You don't want to see him in coverage the same way you didn't want to see Hardy Nickerson in coverage, the same way you don't really want to see Vinny Ray in coverage. Yeah. Yeah. He he moves like Vinny Ray. Honestly, he, he's Nickerson and Vinny Ray are the same guy in terms of their career projection, and, and Vinny Ray had higher couple years, right, where he actually played and was decent for at least one year. Uh, and I don't know if Davis will ever get to that, but – I wonder I think if Davis idea. had a good game against Auburn or something. I wonder. I, mean, I wonder how he got picked. I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking Tem Labaku. No, Tem Labaku, Mississippi State. That's right. Against yeah, Mississippi, one of, he played for Auburn. I wonder if he had a good game against Mississippi State. And Tem Labaku's like who? Lukabu. Sorry, I think I keep. Yes, keep it is Lukabu. Um, probably left ass BFF. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what their game grades were for that. Who's the last guy? Corner. George, yeah, Jordan Brown, 6'1", 200 pounds. The only filter he didn't pass was his 30.5-inch arms. The Bengals have never drafted somebody under 30.75-inch arms. So he breaks the mold, he breaks the filter. This is, again, we've seen this with seventh-round picks, six seventh-rounders in their history. That was That's when they'll dip out of it, and uh, he, he misses it by a quarter of an inch. And I've been – and when I do this, I, I would probably give him a pass for that. Anyways – uh, really good, tall, lanky type zone corner, in my opinion. He played a lot of quarters coverage, off coverage, three uh, uh, deep third, and you see him a lot bailing quickly as soon as the play starts. I watched the final two games of their, of their season, uh, playoff games. You know how they do in Division Two; it's kind of that tournament going on. Anyways, a lot of bailing coverage, and he has top end speed. He's got. Tremendous ball skills, tracks it well, plays it well. He fights throughout when the ball's in the air. He doesn't even get targeted many times in those two games. But I also watched a a highlight reel of him to see those ball skills. What you see, though, is here's my biggest issue is uh, athletically, he doesn't have the change of direction. His hips are a little stiff. He's a little high-legged. And I think that hurts in his transition if he's up on the line of scrimmage in a press situation or a man situation when he's got to flip his hips, bail, and run. Uh, I would expect him to be much stiffer in the, in on those plays. And that's probably why he wasn't seen as one of those D2 guys that are really coveted and go end up going a little bit higher. 
when you watch him against the run or in the physical portion of the game, coming up and taking on blockers or, or forcing a running back to cut back inside, he is disgustingly bad. I mean, he just completely disinterested. I don't think he even wants to be involved. The one game you watch, there's probably four long plays where he could go in and make a stop if he was more physical or interested or, or a better tackler. And I, a handful of them end up being long touchdown runs or, or passes that are that go for scores. And it just it disgusts you because you look at his production profile and he's like in the 25th percentile for a ball, uh, getting his hands on the ball. But for tackling, which surprisingly has a strong correlation for corners, you may say, well, Deion Sanders never tackled. Deion Sanders tackles when he tackled when he had to. And there's a lot of plays where Brown needs to tackle and he does not. So don't let that get don't let that confuse you. Brown has this should make a lot of plays here. And I looked at his PFF grades afterwards. I think, what they have a 44.1 grade for him in run defense. I can't imagine there's anybody worse in this class, in their opinion. And when I watched, I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jordan Brown's going to have to change that up if he's going to make this roster or make any type of impact. You can't show up from D2 to the NFL training camp to make a roster and play like that. Yeah, you got to tackle, I think, if you're a seventh-round pick to make a team. And he does not tackle. He did have a better PFF grade in, in run defense prior to his senior year when that really took a nosedive down into the 40s. He was consistently in the 60s, so there's a chance it was an outlier. But then you look and you see he made 27 tackles and, like, missed 14. Right. He, he's a 67% tackler. That's not something you want to see. And the Bengals obviously value tackling in their cornerbacks if you look at pretty much every cornerback ever on the I've Bengals. Got, I've got his tackling efficiency here. He misses one for every three he makes. It made him rank 163rd among corners. What's the number? Is it 6'7", 67 or something? Or no, it would be really low. 3.1. Yeah. Yeah, every, every three tackles he makes, he misses one. Right. Not good. Not good at all. So we said we would talk a little bit about our shadow teams. Before we get there, there's just one other undrafted guy I want to mention, and that's Central Connecticut State quarterback Jake Dolagala. He, hmm. we, somebody mentioned him to us and then somebody told me that the connection was Mike Sherman is somehow connected to Connecticut state and put the Bengals on to Dolagala. Dolagala hmm. was going to sign with the Colts as well until the Colts signed somebody else or something. And then, and then that deal fell through. Who did the Colts sign? The Colts signed another see. quarterback, quarterback. Uh, it's not on this list. The Colts also signed Penny Hart. Anyway, I, I tried to watch Dolagal. There's not much tape out there for Central Connecticut State, as you might imagine. But they did play someone in Division One football. And the very few plays I was able to see from Dolagala were not terribly impressive. I mean, the team was obviously dramatically overmatched. And I tried to watch some other games after that. But, you know, a lot of swing passes, a lot of short stuff. So... Not a great track record from what I can tell on Dolagala, but maybe somebody else has a better game for us to look at. The angles are also really bad at that level. The the camera work, you know, small stadiums and whatnot. Yeah, I hate it. So, Joe, let's talk about shadow drafts for a little bit and then get off the air here. All right, I got to pull mine up. Give me one second. As always, I'm thrilled with my haul in this shadow draft. I went on easy difficulty this year. I was picking 5th and 15th in every round. I think I got... Oh, probably a whole bunch of guys that were day two prospects on our board because I used our board heavily. Yeah, I did too. 
probably We're got a lot to, of right? the same guys too. Yeah, this this produces a lot of groupthink. Actually, there was a lot of. There were a couple guys that were sending me sending me tweets when they would make their pick, and I'd be like, "Oh, me too." And you right. look at you look at the list of you look at the tweets that got sent to the Lockdown Bengals account, and there's a lot of the same guys getting picked there too. That will either I, I was going to make an Avengers reference spoilery, so I'm not going to. I'm going to I'm going to step back. No and, spoilers and, for at least two <laughs> weeks, Joe. And then we're going to talk about it. That's your warning, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll give warnings also in the episodes. Because I, yeah. I, I understand spoilers. I don't want to spoil a movie for you if you're busy and you can't get out to see it and you care. Yeah, we're not going to do that. So who'd you go? Where, where were you picking? You This is your second year? Second year. I was 5-15. and 15. Coming into the year, I needed a quarterback. I, I didn't really have a center on the roster. I didn't really have receivers. I really needed corners, and I really needed linebackers. Okay. So you tell me your first round. I'll tell you my first round. We'll go like that then, okay? At five in the first round, I took Ed Oliver. At 15 in the first round, I took Dwayne Haskins. Okay. Yeah, because he went 15, right? He so went exactly were, 15th. Right. So I picked ninth. I if, I have a full roster. This is I've been doing this since 2012. What were your I team needs? Say, it was very few. I, I, needed a, I needed to fill out depth at receiver. I, I really missed, and my guys are getting old. I needed a receiver. I had maybe one position on the offensive line that needed upgrade at guard. Uh, and I could use an edge guy, which I didn't end up getting this year, and I'm going to have to force somebody into playing time. So and, and I didn't have playing quarterback on your team, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, all right, that's fine. And I, I lucked in a Kirk Cousins that first year. I'm like you. Remember, you took Mason Rudolph right in the third round, I believe, last year. Your first year doing it. I took him in the second round. Yeah. Oh, okay. I took uh, Kirk Cousins in the third round. I want to say my first year doing. It. I'm like, yeah, that's the mid round guy. I'm going to take a chance on, and I. Took Kirk Cousins. Here I am, and he ended up working out. Yeah. And I almost did it though, because I drafted Geno Smith the following year to be my starter, uh, and he yeah. flamed out. So got Didn't lucky go sometimes. Well. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So round two, who'd you take? Well, who'd you take? Oh, I didn't say that. I took Ed Oliver. I'm sorry. He went number nine. I took Ed Oliver number nine. Yeah. So we both took a player at the pick they were actually picked in the first round, and I also a- picked the same player you picked four picks later. It was BPA for me. I already have Grady Jarrett, and I took Malcolm Brown a couple years ago, four years, three years ago, whatever it was, uh, who went to the Patriots. Uh, oh, yeah. I, needed, I wanted a nose tackle type that had some upside. I thought he did. but So Grady Jarrett and Ed Oliver are going to be my two interior guys. I'm ready to wreak havoc. Yeah, you know what? I, I actually felt pretty good about my defensive tackle position, but Ed Oliver was also a BPA pick for me. I have Maurice Hurst and Tim Settle there, so I have okay. a three-tech and I have a nose tackle at least. I mean, they're not, the, they're not the best, but there's upside with both those guys still, I think. I have Malik Jefferson, or Malik Jackson also, uh, who's an end D-tackle sort of mix. So it'll be interesting to see how I can get them all three on the field. I might just uh, have to stand Harold Landry up, who I took last year in the second round, and uh, get a little creative. You have an embarrassment of riches on the defensive I guess so. line. I'm I've, starting I've to get there, too, there. though. Yeah. All right, my second round, I need offensive linemen. My starting offensive linemen right now are some combination of Jamarco Jones, Tyrell Crosby, Connor Williams, and then some undrafted guys. At least that's what it was going into this draft. Right. So in the second round, at the fifth pick in the second round, I picked Dalton Reisner, who's by far the best tackle on our board available at the time. He wasn't picked too much later. And then at right. 15 in the second round, 47 overall, I go J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I get my draft crush right wide receiver, and mm-hmm. he's now my wide receiver one. Did he go round three or end of round two? I think he went in the second. 
Okay, it might have been the last pick of the second or something. The Eagles traded up. It was I'll the Eagles, you. right? I'll, I'll tell you. you. You talk about right. the guys you picked, and I'll tell you when you went. Yep. I also took Dalton Reisner. So, it's you know, we're using the same board. I think they were clear BPA there. I didn't need – like I said, I, I wanted to get a guard at some point. I didn't need to. I felt like I could have still tried it out there. Evan Bohm, who plays for the Texans, or Ben Ijelana, who I'm not even sure he's still in the league, but he was playing last year. Uh, but instead, I need a – I, I'm going to slide Dalton Reisner in the left guard. That makes my offensive line Nate Solder, Dalton Reisner. I've got Evan Bowen playing center. That's what he played in college, even though he's playing guard in the NFL. Uh, David DeCastro at right guard and Leal Collins at right tackle now. My O line is pretty, pretty good complete. Line. Yeah. Our second white side was picked 57th overall, 10 picks after I picked him. Good. So you, you were right on the value there. I, Third I, was, round. I was pretty on the value for most of these guys. My next pick is my biggest reach compared to where, when he actually went, and that's Anthony Nelson. I took it fifth overall in the third round, fifth, 69 okay. overall, which is my nicest pick of the draft, of course. But Anthony Nelson is probably in the in the mix for rotation uh, with, with my other guys. I currently have Harold Landry. I also picked him last year in the first round. Hmm. And I took Josh Sweat last year in the fourth round. So those three guys are the top of my defensive end rotation. I feel pretty good about that right now. Nice. I went my, Hakeem Butler here my, in the oh, top of the third round. Oh, yeah, that's a good pick there. That's that's exactly where he – no, he went in the top of the fourth round. He did, yep. So I was a little early, just like you were with Nelson because he yeah. also went – Nelson went top of the fourth. I, I also took Justin Lane in the third round at 79 overall. Which That's good too. I like isn't, that upset. Isn't too far off where he was actually picked, right? I would have taken Lane also if I could have at any time. I just really like my corners yeah. and and kind of stayed away from it. Um, Lane, but Lane I needed a receiver. Yeah, you, sometimes you draft for need, right? You see how sometimes these NFL teams feel. Justin Lane was drafted three picks, four picks later at eighty three overall. He's now my first cornerback though, which right. isn't great considering he needs a little bit of time to develop. Onto the fourth round. Knowing that I still need cornerback, I go back to Notre Dame corner Julian Love at, at 107, and then I get my guy at linebacker Ben Burkirvan at 117. Nice. I like both those picks, especially with the value. I took Lamont Galliard, the center from Georgia. Again, I didn't feel I needed the offensive line, but Galliard could beat out Evan Bohm at the center position. I think that gives me finally depth on the offensive line. It's taken eight years of drafting, and I finally feel like I have a quality backup at this point. Uh, I took Galliard a little bit early. I think he went in the sixth round. Yeah, I, I picked him in the sixth round. Yeah, so that makes sense then. In, fifth round. In the fifth round, I still need corners and linebackers, so I picked two more. This is the same as – I would have taken both of these players in the fourth round too. Amani Arvurwarai and yeah, Blake close. Cashman. Yeah, you're going with the value picks there. I need. I still need linebackers too. My starting linebackers right now are some combination of Sky Moore, who – Played very poorly last year, but played undrafted free agent. Ben Burkirvan, Blake Cashman, and then my undrafted free agents from this year at linebacker, Tavon Coney and TJ Edwards. Ah, my so linebackers I, are um, Roquan Smith, Miles. Um, what am I thinking of? Yeah, Miles Jack and uh, Reggie Ragland. Uh, at least two of those are extremely good, and Reggie Ragland's pretty good too. He had a good year last year for yeah. the Chiefs after yeah. being traded. In the fifth round, I went early. This guy didn't go until the seventh. I took Darwin Thompson. He was the best running best running back we had on the board. Uh, my running back situation is in flux right now. I drafted Kareem Hunt in the third round in 2017, but I currently uh, – he's suspended even if I – I haven't made a decision on how I'm going to handle that, but uh, he is suspended either way for the first eight games. So I – 
Had Lamar Miller as the backup. I know. I just don't know. I mean, the first time I've ever run in the situation and doing the shadow team draft, I don't know how that – I've got a whole cut list on the side here of guys that haven't made it, and I, 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 I'm going to decide eventually. But uh, currently I have Lamar Miller. Darwin Thompson will back him up, and those are my top two guys for now. Running back is a weak position for me without Hunt. Future position of need. Yep. Uh, sixth round, I took Lamont Galliard, as I mentioned earlier, with the fifth pick in the sixth round. And then I come back and I take Darwin Thompson. Because, again, at this point on our board, those guys are way, way up there. Yeah, they were. Uh, sixth round, I take Chris Boyd, defensive back out of Texas. And I've done really well drafting corners over, over the years. In 2012, in round two, I took Casey Hayward. And he's been really a fantastic corner for me from the first draft. After that, I've got a mixed bag. It's Prince of Mukamara, who's still a starter, but he's really just a probably better off number three guy. EJ Gaines has been good when healthy. He's my number three. Uh, and then I drafted guys the last few years in, in Jalen Merrick and Perry Nickerson. I am adding Chris Boyd to this list. I've got him listed as a safety corner because my safeties are Malik Hooker, Jimmy Ward, Jordan Poyer, and Deron Smith. I've uh, I've got a deep rotation at Those safety. safeties. Yeah, Jimmy Ward slides down and plays the nickel for me. That's why I kind of don't have a third uh, uh, corner that I really value there. I got you. I really need a safety, too. I have Derwin James and Damon Webb, and this year's undrafted free agent Lucas Dennis. I don't know if Damon Webb is still around or not, but he was an undrafted free agent last year. Gotcha. Where'd you go seventh round, your last pick then? Last two. Seventh round was Karan Higdon. Mm Mm-hmm. Michigan running back because all I had at running back was Darwin Thompson. I literally had zero running backs on my team. Gotcha. And Bo Benchwal, the uh, Wisconsin guard. He also went on drafted, correct? I believe so. Yeah. I took uh, Emmanuel Hall, wide receiver from Mizzou. I, he also went undrafted, and uh, I wanted to—I I really wanted to double up at receiver, and he was the highest guy on our board. I also, as under, undrafted guys, I took Tyree Jackson and Stanley Morgan, who the Bengals also took, which is awesome because hopefully he hits and I can watch him closely because I don't have too many Bengals on the roster. I was really greedy at undrafted free agent this year, and I took all the guys that I wanted. Except except Stanley Morgan, who I didn't take, but I took Devine Ozigbo. He's my running back three. Emmanuel Hall, who's an outside wide receiver for me. Greg Dorch, who's my backup slot receiver to Cedric Wilson, uh, who didn't play last year. Joshua Nijman, really athletic tackle prospect uh, from Florida State, I want to say. William Sweet, uh, another guy who I think, I'm, I'm actually really surprised William Sweet wasn't drafted. Uh, has the measurables, has the productivity that you want out of a mm-hmm. tackle. He was a tackle at North Carolina. Took Dion Calhoun, a guard, Tavon Coney, TJ Edwards, I mentioned earlier. Hamp Cheevers, the cornerback that we've talked about, I feel like, on this podcast before. Brett Rippey and a quarterback, and CJ Conrad, the Kentucky tight end. And if you're listening, we didn't go over undrafted guys for this. Yeah, we don't have you're rules, playing which along. Is why I took so many. I usually take, in the, especially in the first few years, I would take four or five. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Even if you take the top names, those are never the guys that end up panning out for you. I rarely, I, Since I've been doing this, I don't have really any impact on drafted guys on my roster. The best one I ever had that was undrafted was Ohio State's Corey Philly Brown. If you remember, he played for, I want to say, the Panthers, and he was okay there the year they uh, yeah. went to the Super Bowl. But that's that's been it for him. I'm not even sure he's still in the league. I, honestly, I've... Tried to take the top guys. Zach Zenner also has been a decent yeah. number four type running back, fullback, you, uh, you know. So it really, you're going to end up with uh, 
very nothing. So go with five guys if you want to. It, it really won't matter in the long run unless you get really lucky, unless we all get really lucky with a top guy. It's funny because right, you, you asked me about this list in a year. I don't remember most of these guys from last year, my undrafted free agent class. Hercules yeah. Mata'afa was one. Yeah, I remember him. Pro, yeah, Pro Football Focus loved him. Uh, Toby Weathersby, offensive yeah. tackle, was one. I drafted Damon him. Webb. Uh, this year, I know who all these guys are on my undrafted free agent list right now, but I wonder how long I'll, I'll remember them if they don't make a team. Right, it's never Philip Lindsay that you're you're signing. You know, it's it's because he's not even on our radar when we're, yeah. when we're going through this. Yeah. Anyway, that's our shadow team. That's, that's a really fun process. It's it's it puts you in the shoes of a team, and you come away feeling like, yeah, man, I got I knocked this draft out. I hit a home run. I got first round players in every round. That might be a little bit much, but you know what I mean, right? And then, <laughs> right. And then you come back and you look at it next year. It's like I took I took Cedric Wilson in the sixth round. He didn't even play. Quentin Meeks in the seventh round last year actually was was a good pick for me in limited playing time. He was pretty good. And Desmond Harrison, guard uh, or yeah, guard tackle. He's a tackle. But yeah, in the seventh round last year uh, was a pretty good one for me too. But you know, you look back and you're like, man, I don't remember who these guys are. I, I lose track of where some guys go once they get in the NFL because I focus on the Bengals so much. Yeah, I hear you. It's without fantasy purposes, I, you'd probably lose track of a lot of these guys. Oh yeah, definitely. Anyway, that'll do it for us on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're going to do some bonus mailbags this week, I think. We're going to do yeah. a couple days because we've been getting a ton of questions and yep. we might as well just start answering them on, on air for, for a few days. Should we try and do one for tomorrow? Yeah, we'll do one tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow's so we can do one. Yeah, yeah, we'll do Tuesday and then Friday. So questions are due on Tuesday. Questions are going to be due on Thursday. Okay. Yes. And then we'll that'll be for our episode that comes out Tuesday night and the episode that comes out Thursday night. Correct. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Like I said, this has been the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Remember to check out our wonderful sponsor, Abco Safety. Check them out at abcosafety.com or give them a call at 513-672-1818 and mention Lockdown Abco to get 15% off your first order. Tell your safety person at work, give them a call, get some sweet stuff, support the podcast. Support the local business. Until tomorrow, Bengals fans, have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.